pretty cold, wasn't it, last weekend? Pretty cold, pretty miserable, pretty wet. Many of us didn't manage to get here. Some didn't manage to get here. Can I just commend David's word last week? Do get the CD. Download it on the computer. He was talking about Jesus sustaining, being sufficient. Jesus being the fullness, holding this world together. Jesus being unique, well worth listening to. Let me just start by reading 1 Colossians. Colossians 1, verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. Hallelujah. Let's read the word of God in context. Let's go from verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. All things were created, yeah? In heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the shed blood on the cross. Let's keep in the scripture, shall we? Colossians 2, 8 to 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Jesus Christ. For in him, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Then slip down to verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into detail about what he has seen. He is unspiritual. His mind is puffed up with um, idle notions. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ, the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit? to these rules. It's just good to read the word of God. So we're continuing our series on seeing and worshipping Jesus. What a wonderful title that is. And last time I I spoke, about three or four weeks ago, we were looking at Jesus being the invisible, uh, Jesus, the image of the invisible God and the exact representation of God's nature. And today we're going to concentrate on on Jesus being the head. 
all sorts of angles that you could take and half an hour or so, it's difficult to know. But uh, this is the angle that I want to take this morning. That Jesus talks about being the head of the church, but let's just be clear, he is the head of all things. We've already heard it this morning, but one of the titles of Jesus is the Word of God. You heard that before? Jesus is known as the Word of God. And in John chapter 1, verse one to three, uh, verses 1 to 3, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. It's all about Jesus. Do you know that you can become like what you fix your eyes on? What you put before your face? You put certain things before your eyes, you could become like that, engrossed with that. Isn't it amazing that we can put the word of God before our eyes? Isn't it amazing that we have a God who allows us to gaze on his beauty and his wonder? who speaks to us. And yet God's word, it's not, it's not necessarily about an emotion or a feeling. It is the truth. God's word is truth. We can chew over God's word. We can meditate on it as we, we go about our daily, our daily tasks. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us when we look at our Bible. I wonder where your mind goes when you're in neutral, fellas. I mean everybody. <laughs> or you whisked off to that beach with some blonde, you know, miles away. Or do you train your mind to think on the Word of God? Train your mind as you lie on your bed, meditate on the truth of God's Word. Despite the anxieties that rule our hearts, we can meditate on the truth of the Word of God. I believe that Jesus' Word can transform us. I really believe that. I believe His Word can empower us. I believe his word can train us and also his word challenges our attitudes and behaviour. You know where I'm going now, don't you? Hebrews 4, chapter 12. I have to read it because I'm so used to it in a different version. But it says this. It says, the word of God, that's this, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joint and marrow, it judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Did you know that God's word can go right to the centre of my motives? Do I hear an ouch? (laughs) Jenny was saying this morning, God's word, God speaks to us, it challenges us. Every circumstance, every situation, God's word is true. And every attitude in my heart, God can see right in. How wonderful that we have a God of grace and that Jesus took our punishment. This wonderful Jesus, this head, this king of kings, this Jesus who is Lord of lords. Do I, do we choose to live in the truth of his lordship and his kingship day by day? Do we? Because without his grace, we'd be lost, wouldn't we? We'd be absolutely finished. 
John Piper says this. He says, we have a God whose nature is such that what pleases him is not our work for him, but our need of him. Well, we were so programmed to work for God. <laughs> we're so programmed because it kind of meets my needs to work for God. But actually what blesses God's heart is my need of him. As we've said many times before, the only thing I brought to the table was my sin and my need of God. As Jenny said, he is a righteous and he is a just God. And we're going to come to that a little bit later. We talk about wrestling this morning. Did we hear wrestling mentioned during the worship? Yeah? Ding, ding. (laughs) There are some who are constantly trying to wrestle control away from God and back to themselves. Guilty as charged, my Lord. Working on laying that burden down before Jesus and leaving it there. Friends, do not keep trying to wrestle back control. We put our hands in the hand of the one who made the world. Stop trying to wrestle control back from God. You will not win. (laughs) I will not win. You will bang your head against a brick wall. And the one thing you learn is that hurts. (laughs) Serious stuff. Jesus is the head. What does headship speak about? Headship speaks about authority. And uh, Jesus, he walked on this earth and uh, he died. And as Kay very rightly reminded us, Jesus rose again, glorious and victorious. He spent time with his disciples and uh, then he ascended up to heaven. That's what I believe, according to this. And in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says this, Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I don't want to be weird. I just feel God's dropped something in my heart. It's the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We worship Jesus. God is our Father. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. All three just feel stirred. Don't be heavy on one. Oh, I love Jesus, but I can't deal with the fatherhood. Oh, he's my father, but don't ask me all this Holy Spirit stuff. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus the head. You know, he gave instructions, and I say this carefully, but he devolved his authority to his followers. And Matthew 10, verse 1 says this, and this is astonishing. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Matthew 10, verse 7 says this. Jesus, uh, sorry, as you go, Jesus said, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Finish this well-known scripture. Jesus Christ is the same. 
except when it comes to healing and driving out demons, okay? Just No. Jesus gave authority. Some versions say power, but the word is authority to drive out sickness, demons. Our God, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, is over all things. And that's still the commission today to go and to preach the gospel, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Still today. But I believe crucially that we are not called to go out in our own strength and we are not called to go out in enthusiasm. We are called to go out on the authority of the word of God which he has given us. We are anointed by the Holy Spirit to move in gifts and we only move in the gifts and don't do any damage when we are connected to the head. How many folk have you seen moving in the gifts who weren't attached to the head? How much damage was there? Lots. Brothers and sisters, we can be connected to Jesus, connected to the head, and we can pray for the sick, and we will see them recover. Hallelujah. Praying for the sick is not about feelings. Our natural concerns or emotions can can shift the focus from the wonder and the beauty of Jesus and and his compassion. And, And it can move us away from the understanding of his authority to heal. It's very easy, we've done this so many times in the past, you focus on the sickness, on your desire to bless the person, your, your concern for their tears, and, and, and it's good to put the arm around and care, but firstly, it's about Jesus. It's about, if I just bring my emotional care to this person, that'll help them emotionally, but if with the compassion of Jesus, I can put my arm around them and say, Jesus, I look to you, all authority, All power is given to you. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. See what happens. (laughs) Give it a try. God loves faith. We love results, but God loves faith. Many years ago, there was a a chap who had a healing ministry called Ian Andrews. Anyone heard of Ian Andrews? Yeah, wow. (laughs) We, We can meet up later and tell some stories, but it's about Jesus. What, one, of the, one of the ways that Ian used to pray for people was he used to just to paint the picture of Jesus on the cross. He used to paint the picture of Jesus being scourged by the, by the soldiers. He used to paint such a picture of Jesus. And what happened is we would all be in the room with our bad legs and our bad problems and our difficult husbands and all the rest of it and you know praying and thinking about all this. But slowly the spirit, as Ian unpacked it, and he was a man who stammered, He couldn't speak clearly. He didn't look like a man of God in that sense. Lovely man, but he didn't look like a man of God. Simple weakness. He shared Jesus. He spoke about Jesus. And you would have a picture of Jesus. And before you knew it, you realised, that pressure's been lifted from me. Oh my goodness, I can move them. Rather than, Lord, we pray for this hand. We pray for this hand. Lord, we pray for this hand. You know, no, Jesus, we look to you. Oh, my hand's working. Maybe we can start nudging towards that where we make much of Jesus. How the Lord gently heals when we take our eyes off the problem. We focus on Jesus and we don't focus on the sickness. Just for a bit of fun, I've been sort of reading 2 Corinthians. Don't know why. (laughs) But stopping before the giving part, you know, in chapter 8 and 9. 
But the first six chapters, you, you just see Paul. He's in prison. He's restricted. But he's focusing on his passion for Jesus. He's focusing on his heart for God's people, for the church, not consumed with his own situation. Paul knew where his confidence lay. He was in prison, but the word of God was not imprisoned. He knew who the head was of all things. This Jesus, one part of the uncreated Godhead, who has no beginning and knows no end. That perfect union, Paul knew who his God was. Let's just go back again to say it properly. Colossians 1.16 Never tire of it, brothers and sisters, it's the truth. For by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. Anyone here life held together by Jesus? What would my life be like if Jesus didn't hold it together? It would fall apart, that's right. You want to know why your life falls apart sometimes? Because Jesus isn't holding you together. You haven't asked him to hold you together. The super glue's fine in the tube, but you need to apply it to stick. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. You see, before creation, during creation, after creation, still today, Jesus reigns supreme. He is the cre- he, he, he created all the powers, all the authorities in this world, seen or unseen. A lot of that I don't understand. And if you're clever at theology, you could probably flatten me. But just simply in a childlike way, I believe that God is behind everything in Jesus. You see, over the last few months, I've become increasingly aware of this thing about Jesus being overall. And again, we were talking about wrestling, and I've been chatting to Steve about how you kind of wrestle with words and uh, uh, sort of scriptures and things that God says. You kind of wrestle with it, trying to work it out. And I'm trying to work out how can God be overall things, but we see all this stuff. You know, got to be real. Well, if in doubt, look at the book. The back of this book is a book called Revelation, as we said before. It's not a revelation of the end times, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And you get to the end, you get to chapters 20 and 21, and we see God as supreme even when the devil's doing his worst. God lets the devil out for a few thousand years, then pops him back, then does this. The enemy thinks that he's got it made, but actually our God reigns. It's not just a nice song. (laughs) Our God reigns. Jesus, it's all summed up by this when Jesus says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning, and I am the end. Revelation 22, 13. Jesus is before all things and after all things. What better place to put our hand? We have a unique and precious opportunity, friends, to build a relationship with this Jesus while we're here on this earth for however more years the Lord graciously gives us. 
self-centeredness and, and my selfishness so, can so quickly cloud what Jesus is offering in this unique relationship. Just going to read again Colossians 2, but just 18 to 19a. You might want to slip, skip one slide for the sake of time. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into every detail about what he has seen. He is unspiritual. His mind's puffed up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head. So the inference here is very much that um, we can delight in falsehood. Scary, isn't it? We get a little bit too super spiritual, a little bit too spiritually intense, sometimes about Christian matters that aren't actually that important. Maybe we can build, or I can build, a sense of self-importance in the guise of being spiritual, but the consequences are dire. We lose connection with the head. I may be able to fool people, you may be able to fool me, but we can't fool our Jesus. We need to be connected, connected with him. Have you met weak and immature Christians? Basically, they refuse to grow up. Soon start to do things in their own strength or looking for that little bit more revelation than is just based on the word of God. Find it hard to submit to Jesus as the head. Want to kind of get the Holy Spirit action going. And this is usually reflected, usually reflected in their inability to submit to leadership in the church. Getting a bit fruity now, isn't it? This is when you will stop loving me now. <laughs> if you did start with that, is. <laughs> Colossians 1.18 says this. It says, Jesus is the head of the body the church. The end. Finish. Jesus is the head. He is all authority in the church. And Jesus has put people in authority in the church. But have you noticed how Jesus coped with authority when he was on the earth? Now, Roman soldiers, were they nice? No. They were oppressing his people. What about those nice, cuddly Pharisees and synagogue officials? They were nice, weren't they? They were nice to Jesus. They loved him, didn't they? No, they were horrid to him. Ooh, nasty. Did Jesus have a mum and an earthly father? Yes. Mary and Joseph, did he submit himself to them? Yes. Were they fallen and sinful? Yes. Was Jesus? No. He submitted himself to authority even though the authority was flawed and imperfect. It's probably why I managed to be in leadership in a church years ago, because I was flawed and imperfect. So I can tell you that from experience. The issue is, are we submitting to the one behind it? Jesus, the head of the church, who has put men in authority to lead us. We submit to them, we submit to God. Same in business. God runs our businesses, he's over all, the boss is unfair, the system's unfair, but we submit to him or her because of our heart for Jesus. That is a good thing to do. A good thing to do. 
Maybe one or two folk here, you think, well, I want to grow as a Christian, but I've come to a bit of a buffers. How do I move on? Well, you submit to Jesus. That's the easy bit because you can't see him. (laughs) But you also submit to his delegated authority. It's the bit that hurts. Terry Virgo, as some of you all know, is a, I suppose you say, like a father of many of the churches that we've been involved with for 30, 40 years now. And this very helpful little book, The Spirit-Filled Church, let me just read you a snippet of what he says. Spiritual authority. The word sends shivers down many a Christian spine. (laughs) Yet when handled correctly, true spiritual authority creates security, peace, and real joy in the Holy Spirit. What's a real joy in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Everything depends on how it is handled. The only time that Jesus pointed out to his disciples that he was their master and Lord was when he disrobed, took a towel, and as a servant, he washed their feet. Amazing, isn't it? The restoration of spiritual authority opens a way fraught with dangers. And he just goes on to say, there are real dangers but there, on have an, and have, there have undoubtedly been abuses. How many of us have seen leadership abuses in churches we've been in the past? So, yeah, okay, bless them. However, this must not drive us away from the God-given principles of leadership. Um, and they must have freedom in the church to lead, or we shall never advance. If as a church we rumble and grumble against leadership, we will not grow. End of story. Not a lot else you can say about that. Hallelujah. We need to be connected with the head. Jesus. The head is connected to the body and it supports ligaments and sinews as we know. We are his body because of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus as we were hearing throughout the worship. Jesus giving his life on the cross. He died, to, he died for his body and he is the head. A little quiz time now. All right, Derek, got the felt board up here. There's a head, okay. Can you tell me any bits that you find in a head? Shout it out. There's a brain. Brain, yes, lovely. Any other bits? Eyes, yeah. Mouth. Ears. Knees, bumpsy daisy. <laughs> nose, that's right. My dog has no nose. <laughs> How does he smell? Yeah, we called our dog Littlewoods because he was always doing the pools around the house. Anyway, <laughs> but we, uh, we, it, it, can you edit that bit? <laughs> I came in foolishness. But the head contains some, you know, eyes. I'm checking this on my list: eyes, ears, mouth, nose, brain. It enables the it enables the the body to function as. And as kids, we all used to love about Henry VIII, you know, chopping people's heads off. And, um, and once the head was off, there wasn't an awful lot that people could do. But you see, there's a, there's a truth in the spiritual realm too, that Jesus can give us spiritual sight to see his activity and his purpose. Maybe God's spoken to you this morning and said, I think there's someone here today who is feeling unwell. Or there's someone here who's distressed about something. Maybe the Lord's giving you sight 
maybe you've got an issue and you're, you're not concerned. You just feel the Lord has given you like a spiritual sight, some wisdom. He gives us ears, ears to hear him. Hear him. You know, I'll, I'll chanter away today and probably on the way home, the only thing you'll remember is the song. You know, 10,000 reasons, because that kind of connects in our way. My prayer, and, and it's our prayer every week, those of us that have the privilege of speaking, is that God will, will speak and the word that you and we need to hear will be the one that sticks. That's got to be our heart. He gives us spiritual ears to speak to him, to, to speak. He fills us with his spirit to open our mouths to speak the word to one another. Now at coffee time today, you could just go and put your arm around someone and say, how are you doing? Just a word of encouragement. It doesn't have to be, you know, thunder comes from heaven and their leg grows ten feet. That'd be interesting actually, wouldn't it? But it can be just a word of encouragement. The Holy Spirit can speak through our mouths. Knows he breathes his spirit into us. We cannot function, friends, without the Holy Spirit breathed into us. We just, we just can't. We just can't. It's like an engine without oil. And Jesus is the head because he loves the body. And as the head of the body, he laid down his life for the body. In Philippians 2, back on track, gentlemen, I think, says this. And, and many of us know this scripture so well. Have this attitude. Uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being the very nature God, there it is again, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, or no reputation, some say, taking on the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness and found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That we can bow our knee to Jesus and we have a God that heals knees as well. Hallelujah. Anyone got a bad knee? Yeah, we have a God that can heal knees and heal the disappointment that it hasn't been healed yet. That is the Jesus who we serve. goes on to say, why did Jesus endure the cross? Well, that's one of the things that Barb often shares with us. It was for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and despised its shame. What a saviour. What a saviour. Can I be controversial for a moment? Can I share a bit of me rather than this is what I believe God is saying? I just want to throw something out to consider in cell group because it's good to talk and bounce thoughts around. There's a prayer that I have prayed many, many, many I have prayed many, many times and I've heard one or two others pray too. So this is not having a go. It goes like this. I thank you, Lord, that if I was the only sinner ever, you would have come and died for me. I've, heard, I've prayed that prayer many times and I've heard it prayed too. Sounds good, doesn't it? So, you know, Lord, if I was the only sinner, you still would have died for me. Well, 
it starts with the word I and finishes with the word me. <laughs> and that's kind of a bit of a giveaway. My biblical perspective is that that's quite... that the, the, the Bible is quite countercultural, And we've spoken about this before. And we've got to be aware of the culture sliding unseen into the church because this is what the truth of the word says. It said that Jesus died for a body. He loves you individually. He came to die for you individually. He deals with your sins individually. We have to individually come and bow the knee and confess Jesus as Lord. But that is only part of it. We are saved individually to become part of a body, to become part of a family, to become part of his kingdom. And we're a body, which means we can be connected to the head. It's not just me and Jesus skipping along a cloud because now I don't hurt anymore. It's, it's deeper than that. Again, as we were, we were told, you know, God spoke to us this morning, things were sometimes a little bit more serious than we think. That's scary. I just want Jesus to cuddle me. But <laughs> these are serious days. Jesus came for a family and he came for a body. So yes, he came for you. He loves you. He died for you. But the full picture, to have fullness in your life, be part of the body. And that's not just coming on Sunday. In fact, that probably has got nothing to do with it at all. It's actually saying, David, I submit to your authority. It's Bill speaking to my life if I'm a bit wonky. It's Fred, pray for me. It's Ivan, how can I pray for you, my friend? It's body. It's family. Yes, he loves you as an individual, but it is family and it's body. Jesus is the head. All things were created by him. Here we go. Every throne, every ruler, every authority, every power. Now that should radically affect our prayer life. Did you know that God created your next door neighbour that you don't like? Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know that he is supreme over the business in which you work, the school, the, the conditions. Did you know that? Did you know that God put that local councillor that you don't like in that place and position of authority? Do you know that? Who is the ultimate authority over France Air ticketing service? Yeah? Why do we even bother praying for airline tickets? And timing. Why? Because we believe that our God is overall. Not because he wanted to be nice and bless them. Our God is in, is in control and he rules over all. I know that throws up all sorts of issues and I can't give clever answers. But what I know is that God is over all. He has all authority. And they got their tickets. Why? Because God is in control and he is over all. And if they hadn't got their tickets, guess who would have been in control? God. He is Lord. Encourage us to pray. Not for, We don't pray from a sense of superiority. Lord, I know that you're over all things, so these nasty people, you can sort it out. No, no, no. We come to God with humility, humbly before our God. Lord, I come with such a need of you, and I'm asking in your grace, would you come into this situation? Would you bring help? Would you bring healing? Would you bring breakthrough into this situation? <laughs> God is supreme.
another little bit from Adrian Warnock, who I read last time. He says this, Jesus is at work changing every believer to be more like himself. Not every Christian is changed to the same degree. Many Christians lose their wonder and forget to gaze on him. Thus, often the new Christians are the ones who seem most enthusiastic in their love for God. We almost don't want to spoil them by telling them of the cynicism of settling down that we assume is associated with maturity. Maybe you know some Christians who have refused to walk this path of early excitement and change followed by a long plateau or even spiritual decline. The longer that they have lived, the more they feel they have Jesus to thank. Sorry, the more they feel they have to thank Jesus and their passion for him only increases. Such older Christians seem to glow with the presence of Jesus. It is not too late. The resurrected Jesus himself is inviting us, calling us, imploring us. He wants us to return to our first love. And if we do, we will find that our love for the things of this world will dim once more and we will be changed to another degree of glory. May God help us to share in the glory that only a lifetime of loving this Saviour can produce. We have an opportunity while we're here on this earth to love our Saviour more and more. Once happens, once we pass to the whatever, read the book. But while we're here on earth, we have an opportunity to make a choice to worship our Jesus. Our Jesus is head over all. He's head over sickness. He's head over the weather. He's he's head over the demons. I'm going to have to skip that scripture because I'm never going to fit it in. But in your notes, you'll see Matthew 8, 23 to 32. It talks about Jesus there they're in the boat, there's the storm, there's the wind and the, ra- the, the waves, and the disciples are worried, they're fearful that they're going to die. They wake Jesus up, and he speaks to the wind, and then he deals with the waves. And they arrive in this eerie calm, the other side of the sea, and all of a sudden, ah! this demonic man comes running at them. How scary is that? And did you know what? The demons said, can we have permission to go into the pigs? They knew who Jesus was. And Jesus said, go. Not 20 hours of jumping up and down on them and waving crosses at them. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. He has authority. And he has given that authority to us because we, he is the head and brothers and sisters, we are connected to him. We receive our, receive our life from him and therefore we can do the works that he did. What a thrill here at Beacon to see us growing, to see people being added. It's absolutely wonderful. But let's be a people that grow in our love for Jesus. And as we grow in our love for Jesus, surprisingly enough, we will find that we have a grow a growing love for one another. We have people, we are a people, who struggle with issues of health, mental health challenges, difficulties in our lives. But let's recognise that Jesus is the head. 
He has all authority over demons, disease, sickness, mental trauma. Let's continue to pray for breakthroughs based on one thing, that Jesus Christ is supreme over all. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Friends, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. All we brought to the table was our sin. He gives us robes of righteousness. So as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Now is the day of God's favour. Yeah, but you don't know I'm ill and you don't know about this in my family. You don't know about my financial. Today is the, God of, is the day of God's favour. Jesus came at a time of dreadful lowness and depression and difficulty. And he came as a light. He came as life. Said so the common people, me, man, heard him gladly. We can hear Jesus gladly. Oh, what a saviour. Today is a day of salvation. If you've never bowed the knee to Jesus, let him heal your knees, yes, but bow the knee to Jesus because he is Lord. Anyway, on to more important matches, which is Steve's stag night that we were on last night. <laughs> what a great evening that was. And uh, we went and saw the new James Bond film. You know, da-da-da-da. So, yeah. so this actually is a hidden microphone. But um, now without upsetting the film buffs amongst you, some people say that uh, there's another series of films which are a bit like the James Bond films, which are the, the Bourne films. Am I losing some people now? No? Oh, you do, you do know what I'm talking about. How many films were there in the Bourne series? Four! There were four. And the first one was called The Bourne... Identity. Cool, you need to spend more time in your Bible. Let's watch the films. <laughs> okay. Quick ways to remember how Jesus is like James Bond and Jason Bourne, whose real name was David Webb. Yeah, yeah. Good, good quiz question. Okay. Firstly, identity. Okay. We were created in the image of God and we have all sinned and we have turned. It's good, isn't it? And we've all turned our back on him. But when we become followers of Jesus, we have a new identity. Not our sinful nature, but we are robed with Jesus, which means we can go to heaven because it's Jesus, not my identity of sin. What was the second Bond film? Born film, the Born Ultimatum. I hope I've got this in the right order. Have I? Is that right, Steve? Am I not preaching heresy here? <laughs> He swapped them. Okay. Well, for the purposes of me, it was the ultimatum next. Okay. Ultimatum. This is a challenge, even a provocation. Maybe today Jesus is challenging you to follow him, to stop going your own way. I say this carefully, but ultimately, whether you believe it or not, there is a heaven 
and there is a hell. We can debate whether heaven is up there, down here, we're cuddling pandas, new world, whatever. But let me tell you, hell is eternal separation from God and eternal punishment. I'm very, very sorry, but that's what I believe the word says. Be reconciled. Just come to Jesus and be saved from that awful ending, please. Why? If you want to know, read the book. The third Bourne film was The Bourne Supremacy. Christian brother and sister, will you allow Jesus, will I allow Jesus, let's get in the mirror, once and for all, to be supreme in my life? Am I prepared, are we prepared to bring those dark areas of our life to him? The bits we don't talk about, that broken relationship, that huge disappointment, that abuse in the church years ago. Maybe over the next six months to a year as a church, we might start looking at that and bringing these things to Jesus and saying, Lord, we want to bring these things to you. Why do I always react like that when Steve says this to me? Maybe Jesus wants to deal with something at the very back, deep in my life. Unforgiveness. Disappointment. That's a big one for us Christians, isn't it? How many people get disappointed? I get disappointed. You? You preach about praying for the sick and what gets home. You get home and find your kids are ill and we get disappointed. But our God is good. (laughs) Jesus. We can pray for Jesus to be supreme in our life. The final born, which I haven't seen yet, is called the born legacy. Someone once said, not me, they said that Jesus died on the cross And he left an amazing inheritance, a wonderful legacy, and then he rose from the dead and started handing it out. Isn't that great? What a wonderful... Jesus died, was resurrected, and he's ascended to the right hand of God, that place of ultimate authority and kingship. And he now has a legacy for us of forgiveness, freedom, hope, healing, and deliverance. So what do you need? You need to be born again. I got that at nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a caffeine. That was decaf this morning. I was a very good boy. But, but seriously, Jesus said, you must be born again. I don't want to take my old life with me. Come on, it's not good. Too, too much of me in it. We need Jesus. He gives us new. He makes us new. I'm aware of time, so I'll just finish by saying this. 1 John 3, 23. This is the commandment. This is John, a man who knew Jesus better than anyone else on this earth. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of Jesus Christ and we love one another as he has commanded. Let's love one another. I must stop making comments about others. We must stop making comments or opinions or judgments on others. Let's love one another and let's pray for one another. We're going to have coffee and so forth in a minute, but if you want to be prayed for, I believe that today there is that the Lord does want to heal people who are sick. And there'll be opportunity as time's gone. We can, we can have coffee now and so forth, but grab me, David, Steve, Barb, just grab us and we'll happily pray. But let's just, uh, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much that you are head. You have all the supremacy over all. And Lord, For myself, there's much in this world that I do not understand. But I want to thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, I pray that you would continue to build your church, 
And Father, that your Holy Spirit would continue the work that he's doing in each one of our hearts individually. And that as a church, we would grow and just reflect more of who you are. We worship you, King Jesus, for you alone are worthy of praise and honour and glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time. Say so we'll have coffee now. And if uh, you want to pray together, then do feel free. Thank you.